0: head back. And I also want to extend a warm welcome to everyone who's here for the first time, if you're new to Redemption Hill, including those of you who are here for Serve Medford. So I know we have a lot of great teams that have come from all over the country, and we're very, very thankful that you've come to help us love and serve our city. Um, This is not new for us at Redemption Hill. When we moved here Uh, Five years ago to start this church, we said uh, we want to take, like Jesus, we want to take the posture of a servant, count others more significant than ourselves, and to find practical ways to serve people around us, and that's one of the clear ways that we can uh, show God's love to those around us, is by uh, humbling ourselves and putting them before ourselves, and and helping, helping them by serving. So thank you for coming and serving with us. Um, as John mentioned, this is the last week in our Look Up series. All right? We've been taking select psalms. Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. In fact, uh, this morning will be in Psalm 118. So if you're using one of the Bibles we provided for you, there's page 511 of those Bibles. And uh, as we turn there, I want to remind you of a statement that I shared uh, the very first week, uh, the first Sunday in July. And that is this. My mentor uh, taught me this. He said, you can tell a lot about a person by watching their eyes. I want you to think about that again. You can tell a lot about a person by watching their eyes. There's a statement that Jesus gives in his most probably famous sermon, certainly his most uh, longest recorded sermon that he gives in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 6, verse... uh, Verse uh, 22, I believe, uh, he says there, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body, all right? Jesus was always speaking in pictures, okay? And so he says, he says, your eye is like the lamp for your body. He says, if your eye is healthy, your whole body, your whole life will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness, So the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye will determine the health of the person. And why is that, Jesus? Well, it's because Dave Harvey helped me out with this in his book, Rescuing Ambition. He says that we pursue that which we prize, okay? So in other words, we go after that which we deem is valuable, but we prize that which we perceive is valuable valuable. Do you understand that? So, so we perceive something as valuable, we prize it, and when we prize it, we go after it and we pursue it. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? And so if we perceive something is, is worth something uh, great, then we will go after that. And so that's why Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. So let me just ask you, where do you fix your eyes? What, what, are, what are you in your life turning to and looking at to be your source of help, to be your source of satisfaction? See, we've gone through three Psalms, Psalm 16, Psalm 27, and Psalm uh, 42 and 43, that's the uh, first week. And we looked at how that, that we can look up to God when we're depressed, when we're discouraged, we, we looked at how we can look up to God when we're struggling, even with addiction. And then last week, we, we looked at how that we can look up to God when we struggle with anxiety and fear. And what we don't want to do, like, th- that is all true. And we could go on. I wish we had, you know, an infinite number of weeks so we could just kind of come back every other day and, you know, look at how the, the, the Bible speaks to all of these different categories in life, anger and injustice, grief and sorrow. We could keep going on and on through the Psalms and see how that, that we're called to look up to God in each and every circumstance. But, but there is a fear that I have, and that is this, that we can sometimes treat the Bible as this kind of uh, emergency guidebook that we turn to only when life is bad, only when things don't go go according to our plan, then we turn to the Bible to kind of find this um, emergency, urgent, self-help manual that will help me through life's difficulty, but then when I get through that difficulty, I can kind of set it aside and everything's fine and dandy at that point. But, But what I want us to see this morning is this. God wants us to look up. In every circumstance of life, not just the difficult moments, but in every moment. You see, if God in the beginning made us to experience fulfillment and satisfaction and joy, then if we only turn to God when something is wrong in our life, then we are really missing the entirety of his design for us. He made us to, to, to thrive, to flourish, to experience fulfillment in him. And so what Psalm 118, the psalm of salvation, it's a song of thanksgiving and praise to God for who he is and what he's done. This song calls us to look to God even when we are fulfilled in life. I hope that you'll walk away with that this morning. We look up to God. The eye is the lamp of the body. We look to him in every circumstance, not just the difficult moments, but even in life's greatest moments. So this psalm is going to invite us to marvel at God's great work of salvation with gratitude and praise. You got that? Marvel at God's great salvation with gratitude and praise. I wanna read this psalm in its entirety and then we'll work our way through it together, okay? Starting in verse one, this is what it says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever forever. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand does valiantly. This is what they sing. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. In these 29 verses, what we find here is an incredibly rich song. It is so rich that I would be a fool to, to like, pretend that I'm going to be able to give you this comprehensive look at, at all of the details of the psalm. But what I hope to do today is kind of whet your appetite. I hope that you'll come back to this psalm again and again through the week to let it soak up into your heart because there is so much good truth here. This, this psalm, this particular psalm was so significant to Israel that, that they would sing this song at the festivals when they gathered together to, to remember the works of God. It's actually a set of six psalms, Psalm 113 through 118, they were called the Hallel songs. They were, the, the word Hallel means praise, okay, it's the Hebrew word for praise. So these were songs of praise that the people would sing to remember what God has done. And you say, well, that's great for those people hundreds of years ago, what does that have to do to us with us today? Well, actually, this particular psalm is quoted more than any other psalm in the New Testament. When Jesus, before he was crucified, was hanging out with his disciples and sharing what what we now know to be the Lord's Supper, the the Passover meal, they sang this hymn before they exited the house where they had gathered. This psalm is deep and rich and true, and I want to give us three encouragements that I think will help us to marvel at God's great salvation this morning, okay? The first is found in verses 1 through 4, and that is this. Look up to God with gratitude for his steadfast love. Verse one sets the tone for the entire psalm. You probably caught it again in verse 29, this kind of inclusio that put the bookends on the psalm. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. We are summoned in to give God praise for how good he is. And his goodness is expressed in his steadfast love. Psalm 117 that we read earlier really serves as an introduction for Psalm 118. Look back at it. It says, praise the Lord, all nations, to give praises, to express adoration and attribute value and worth to God. And all nations should do this. This is why we pray for the nations every week at Redemption Helm. It goes on to say, extol him. It means to praise highly, to lift up God all peoples. And why is that? Well, look, look at verse two. It says, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. And then that's what we see in verse one of Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verses two through four basically say, hey, everyone needs to get in on this. And that's what I would want to say to you today. Everyone needs to get in on this. Let all the people of Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let, let the house of Aaron, those were the priests who were uh, offering sacrifices in the temple, they're supposed to say, let the steadfast love of the, do- of the Lord endures forever. And then it says in verse 4, just kind of summing it all up, let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. What we want to say is this, let Redemption Hill Church say, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Let all the people of Medford say, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. This is the truth that we want people to know. God made us in love for love, to know his love, to live in his love. This is not an empty phrase. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. I mean, think about what we're saying here. This is a radical statement. The love of God goes on and on and on and on. It will rain when all other competitors fall by the wayside. The love of God is indestructible. It is so pure, so enduring, so strong, so resilient, so infinite, so boundless, so unlimited, so unstoppable that it should shock us to consider that God made us to know this love and experience his love day by day by day. This is really good news. And as we receive the love of God, what happens is this that we desire to give away God's love as freely as we have received it ourselves. So this, this confession is, is not just like, we just need like to sing about it you know, on Sundays, but we are to, to like consistently say it as we're going about our, our week. Like, this, is, this is what makes me who I am, the steadfast love of God. If you want to know why I act, why I act in my neighborhood, in my workplace, it's because God's love has changed my life. This is, this is our testimony as we go. We want to give this message away to all people. And that brings us to our second uh, encouragement. This is where the psalmist goes in verses 5 through 18. He says, um, as you experience God's work, you should share your, your, your story with others. The psalmist had experienced his love, and so he starts this, this kind of story, this personal story. It seems that, that, that he is maybe a leader of the people that's speaking on the, the, the behalf of the experience of the entire people. So verse 5, he, he begins this kind of story, or sometimes we call it a testimony. He says, Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. So let me just suggest this to you, okay? When when you experience the great work of God, it should be the natural reflex of your heart to want to tell other people about that. Have you ever been to the doctor? You know, they kind of they're checking you out and they hit your hit, hit your knee with like that little I don't know what that thing is I don't know what it's called I'm not a doctor all right but it's like a little little kind of like soft hammer or whatever and they like hit you right there and you just like to check your reflexes make sure you're in good shape you love that right well well like when 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 life happens to us, man, our natural reflex should just be want to want to proclaim what God has done, to share our story of how He's worked in our lives. And so the psalmist, what, is, what does he say? I love I love how there's just a clear progression through this psalm. I know there's a lot of verses here, but let me let me package them for us. Okay, number one, he says, "God is on my side." Verses six and seven. It's great to have uh, good friends and family. It's nice to live in the 21st century. We have all this technology at our fingertips, a lot of luxuries that we have that the people in previous generations never had. But what we need the most is the Lord on our side. We need God to be our helper. And when he is, we can say, what can man do to me? It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans 8:31 when he says this, if God is for us, what? Who can be against us? If God is on our side, who can be against us? I mean, this, is, this should infuse us with confidence, right? We should have great expectation that God. if God is on our side, then we can enter into any experience, go on any serve effort this week with confidence, go into your workplace this week knowing that it doesn't matter what comes my way today, God is on my side, he is my helper, he is going to see me through, So number one, God is on my side. Number two, in verses 8 and 9, he says, God is my trust. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. God is our trust. He is the one we rely on. I love the words of Jeremiah 17. I want you to think about this picture that Jeremiah spoke to the people. He says this in in verses 5 through 8. He says this, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Whose heart turns away from the Lord, he is like a shrub in the desert. Think about this picture. To trust in man is to make your life like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. In other words, if if you trust in man, then then your life is not going to to be very productive, very fruitful, bring much honor to God and much help to other people around you. If we trust in our own strength, if we trust in in, in those around us, ultimately our our lives are going to be just like this little insignificant shrub. But verses 7 and 8 go on to say this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord? He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. As we trust in God, He causes our lives to flourish and, and not only bring honor to Him, but to be a blessing to those around us. God is on our side. God is our trust. And then verses 10 through 16, this is really good. God is our strength and our song. Is this your testimony today? I mean, this is like an everyday testimony, okay? Look at verse 14 again. This is a quotation of the song of Moses back in Exodus 15 when God delivered the people of Israel out of the hand of of oppressive Egypt. And Moses in that song says what? The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. God is the one who strengthens us. It is in the name of the Lord that we move forward because the battle belongs to him. When when the Hebrews wanted to, to emphasize something, they would just repeat it. All right? So so we see, in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. And then we're going to see in verse 16, that it says, the right hand of the Lord is the one who does this valiantly. The The right hand of the Lord is exalting us. The right hand of the Lord is accomplishing this for us valiantly. Make no mistake about it. God is the one who strengthens us and allows us to do the work in his name. We need to hear this. I need to hear this. Because here's here's what happens, okay? This is the, the default mode of our hearts, all right? This is kind of what we revert back to. All of a sudden, even as we're following Christ, we we allow this kind of attitude to creep into our hearts that says, I got this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I've been walking with Christ for a while. I've been living my life for him. I know a few Bible verses now. I pray pretty regularly. And all of a sudden, we start depending on our strength and not God's strength. But here's here's the news we need to hear. We never really had it. We never had it at all. It is God who is the strength of our life. God is the one who gives us the grace each moment to live for him. And so when we, when we operate in our own strength, we'll find that man, we're not really you know, inclined to pray that much because, man, we got it after all. But when we see that God is our strength, when he is our help, then we'll go to him in prayer. We'll go to him for help. We'll go to him and ask him to empower our service and our witness for him day by day. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says this. For it is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. For from him and through him and to him are all things. There is nothing in our life that doesn't come from God. There is nothing that happens through our life that also is not happening because God is the one who is strengthening us and... There is nothing in our life that we do that should not ultimately be for him, to him, to his glory and praise. So that is why in this statement, the Lord is my strength and my song, what we want is our lives, our entire lives, to be a song to God that is pointing to how great he is. So so look back in verse 15, it says, glad songs are of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. What the psalmist is saying is, look, it's not just me who is praising the Lord. It is, it is other people as well. Other people are getting in on this. Have you ever noticed that we can't help but talk about that which we love? When we really are excited about something, we want to we want to talk about that with others. We want to share that with others. And there are two reasons for this, okay? I mean, I mean, this is an exciting time in our church, okay? We have all these people here. We, we can talk about that. We have some new babies in our church. Man, we're really excited. We want to rejoice over that. Okay, it's summertime. I just went on vacation. If you ask me what I've been up to, I'm going to talk about the beach and the and the sun and the waves and just Chill mode when the grandparents had the kids, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was, it was a great week, right? There is a lot to be excited about, and we talk about that, which excites us. Now, why is that? Two reasons. The first is obvious, all right? Number one, we want to bring other people into our joy, all right? So, so when we experience how good God is, we speak of how great he is because we want other people to experience that. That should be obvious, But number two, this is not so obvious, when we speak of how great God is and we praise him with our story, we are actually completing our own joy. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Tanner? C.S. Lewis was an atheist who became a devoted follower of Christ. He actually became a great defender of the faith. And before he before he really got it, okay, before the light bulbs went off, uh, he actually thought that when God tells us to praise him, like in the Psalms, that we should give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever, and we should keep like saying this again and again and again, he was thinking like, God seems like this kind of egotistical, like megalomaniac, all right? It's like, everybody praise me, you know, and, and there seemed to be something wrong with God about that. That was until he discovered this. He said, the world rings with praise. He said, my whole my, my whole, my more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us, as regards the supremely valuable, as regards to God, what we delight to do, what indeed we can't help but doing about everything else we value. You got that? So if there's an amazing sunset tonight, I mean, you like maybe even say it to strangers like, man, wow, what what a beautiful sunset. If there's a book that you just enjoyed, you're probably gonna tell a friend about it. I mean, you need to really check out this riveting story that I just read. You know, Wednesday night was our anniversary. So you might imagine that as you know, I'm out to dinner with Marsha, it was easy for me to say, Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, yes, I mean I said it a lot more than that. Right? It's much better than that. I can't I can't give away all my, you know. I can't give away all my, my lines, all right? But, <laughs> but 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 we can't help but praise that which we enjoy. And why is that? C.S. Lewis goes on to say this. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is appointed consummation. So in other words, we can't contain that which excites us, that which we enjoy. So when we are able to talk about it, it even elevates our joy further. You see that? So as we express praise and we share our story... It actually elevates our joy at the same time. This is how good God is, by the way. When God invites us to praise him, he is actually inviting us into a deeper satisfaction and enjoyment in him for our lives. God is our strength, and our song. And then finally, he would just say, God is my life and my story. He has protected and preserved my life, verse 17, and I will recount the deeds of the Lord. I will tell of the good things that God does day by day in my life. I cannot share enough about what God has done. And so it is my hope that this week, all right, in some way, shape, or form, every single person, all right, this is just a prayer, okay, this might seem like an impossible prayer, but we like to pray impossible prayers at Redemption Hill. It is my hope and prayer that every single one of us, okay, whether you are here for Serve Medford, or, or you are uh, just at your job through the week, that every one of us will have an opportunity to share our story. So whether it's one time, whether it's 21 times, listen, we all will have an opportunity to tell of, of how God has worked in our life, how God has changed our life, how he fulfills us. I mean, I love to tell people uh, another, another statement from C.S. Lewis that says this, all right? He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else in life. I mean, when I'm talking to people about my relationship with Christ, I'm telling, him, telling them that, that, that Christ makes everything different for me. He changes the way that I work, the way that I love and serve others, the way that I seek to be a good husband and a good father, the way I seek to be a friend and a family member. It is comprehensive. And so let me just give you a few encouragements in in, in the hopes that you will be able to share your story this week, okay? Here here are four encouragements. Number one, make it personal, all right? The, the, The psalmist is sharing his story. We ought to share our story too. And here's the beautiful thing no one has your story. God has made each of us unique. We all have our own story to tell, and we should tell it down to specific details. This is how God has worked in me. This is the person I used to be, but now God has changed this in me, and I find my delight in him. And as you make it personal, I would say be relational. Ask people about their life. Ask people about their own story. Ask people what they're finding, their hope, their fulfillment, their purpose, their satisfaction as well, and be a good listener, Make it personal. Be relational. Number two, avoid tribal language, okay? The tribe is kind of a group of people that have their own way of life and own way of talking, all right? And we are really bad about this as Christians, you know what I'm saying? We talk to people, oh, I got saved back in, like, what what has got saved, People that don't know the gospel don't, need, don't, don't know what got saved means. Um, they don't know words like justification and sin and even worship, okay? So we need to speak in everyday language and explain these terms so that they can understand the gospel and what Christ has done for us. Then number three, I would say this, keep it concise, all right? Keep, keep, it, keep it tight. Don't, don't use too many words, all right? You should be able to share your story what your life was like before you met Christ, how Christ uh, revealed himself to you and, you and you got in with Jesus and then now the, the change that he has brought to your life, those three kind of pieces of the story, you can share that in just a few minutes. I would even argue you need to have like a 60-second version. You know what I'm saying? You're at the bus stop and you can just share with people, hey, this is, this is, this is how my life changed and I hope that you will come to know the same truth that I've come to know about Christ and experience the same transformation as well. And then finally, this is simple, but it's, 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 it's important not to miss. Focus on Jesus. Always get to Jesus. Confidently explain why Jesus' life, death, and resurrection matters for your life today and your life after death. We share the gospel of the good news of Christ as we share our story. This is one of the best methods of telling other people about Christ, is just simply sharing the story of what God has done for us. So as you experience God's work, share your story with others. And then number three, all right, as we, as we move to the end of the psalm, um, here's the third encouragement. Marvel rejoice and revel in God's great salvation in Christ. Verses 19 through, through 21 mark the transition of, into the temple, what some people call the festal procession. Look, look back at these verses. He says, Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. Uh, The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. What I love about this is there is a sense of excitement and anticipation to come to worship God. There's like this sense about the psalmist that he cannot wait to get there to praise God with other people. And I know, for being honest, there are like many, many times, many days, many weeks, many Sundays, right? We've all been there, including me. Where it's like we just don't feel like going and praising God. But when we think, when we're thinking rightly, when our eye is truly set with a clear vision of God, we are going to want to be in worship. We are going to want to be with other people who know how great God is, that we might give Him thanks and praise. And this is because God's salvation is so great. Verse 22 is one of the most important verses in the Bible. Look look back at what it says. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So in the original context of this song, perhaps it's King David or some, one of his successors that was rejected, but then God raised up to use him greatly, perhaps it's the people of Israel. They were surrounded on every side, and yet God brought them victory and salvation. But we know, we know as those who follow Christ, those who have read the New Testament and have seen the rest of the story, that this verse points us to the Son of God who was sent for us to be our Savior. This verse was on the lips of Jesus when he told the parable of the vineyard in Matthew 21. It's recorded in in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where he says that that, uh, that it was like a a master of a vineyard sent servants to the vineyard, to the workers, and, and, and they were persecuted one by one. And he says, well, maybe I'll send my son. And they'll listen to my son, and they they, they, they reject the son and they actually kill him. And Jesus says that this is what you've done to the prophets who were before me and now you are rejecting me as well. As we said, Jesus sang this song with his disciples before they they uh, left, but before he was crucified. And when Peter and John were, were in the book of Acts, when they were uh, telling others about Jesus and they were Questioned by the authorities, Peter in Acts 4, verses 10 through 12 says this, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. These words point us to the cross of Christ. Jesus was rejected by the leaders of his day. He was arrested and physically abused, mocked, and then crucified. And yet even in his rejection, God exalted him by giving him life over death raising him from the grave that all who look to him might have life through him and so let me ask you today have have you embraced christ or have you rejected christ have you have you rejected christ and the gift that god offers to you in him saying, you know what, I have a lot of friends who who kind of put this off. Man, I'll get to that later. I'll kind of find another way to God except through Jesus. And yet, we see that Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the only one that we can build our lives upon and experience all that God has for us. So if you have never turned to Christ, and, and made him the cornerstone of your life and built your entire life upon him, you can do that today by turning back to God, saying, God, I need this gift that you've offered me in Christ. Jesus is the cornerstone that we must build our lives upon. And so, so how do, do we then, as we see God's magnificent work in salvation, how do we then respond? Let me give you three ways uh, very briefly. Okay, number one, we should marvel. We should be in awe, captivated with a sense of wonder, held in amazement by how great God is in his salvation. When is the last time, let me ask you this, when is the last time the gospel, the story of Christ, it like stopped you in your tracks? When is the last time the news of the gospel so overwhelmed you that it moved you to tears? When is the last time you you just thought, man, how on earth could I be one that could receive this gift that God offers me? We should marvel. We should be in awe that God offers Christ to us, that we might have life. And so let me just suggest this. Perhaps one of the best things that you could do this week, if if you are not marveling at what God has done for you in the gospel, perhaps one of the best things that you could do is just kind of get away from the crowd this week, tuck, tuck yourself away, get some time with God, and just ask God to help you marvel again at what he has done for us in Christ. We are to marvel at this salvation. We are to rejoice in this salvation. Look at verse 24. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And this is a, this is a verse that we like to quote a lot. Like, man, God gave us today. He gave us every day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And, th- and that's, that's true that God gives us every day. But this day is the day of salvation. This is the day that is marvelous in our eyes. And this, this day is a day that provokes thanksgiving and praise in our hearts that then leads us to joy. So so think about this. Joy is not icing on the cake of Christianity, okay? It should be the norm. It should be what we experience on a daily basis. It's not a bonus, all right? It is what is there for us every single day. We are to marvel, we are to rejoice, and then we are to revel in what God has done. Verse 25 uh, picks up, and, and it says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. This is what they cried out when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem in the Gospels before he was crucified. They shouted out, Hosanna, save us, Lord, we pray. And, and you might think, well, well, like Tanner, if I'm already in Christ, why would I cry out for God to save, uh, save us still? Well, listen, we, we, it's not just about day one of following Christ. We actually need God's grace every single day. We are to cry out to God's for God's help every single day of our salvation, and he delights to give us what we need uh, each day that we journey with him. And so there are countless opportunities that we turn to God, and he delivers us, he rescues us, he saves us, he gives us what we need for each step of the journey. God wants us to continue to enjoy, to linger, to revel in what he has given us in Christ. He is so delighted to continue to give, to continue to pour out his blessing. Verse 26 um, speaks of the blessing that comes to those who uh, walk in the name of the Lord. And then verse 27, it says that he has made his light to shine upon us. This is all language of blessing that we find in the Bible so the psalm ends as it begins. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I want to invite us today to marvel at the great work of God in our lives. We should enjoy God every single day because he is good and he has given us everything that we could ever desire or want in Christ. And let me conclude with just two thoughts, okay? This is the beautiful part, all right? As we marvel, as we rejoice, as we revel in God's work, what happens is it fuels our devotion to God even more. It fuels our thanksgiving to God even more. It fuels our service and sharing our testimony even more. And so if you want to serve God with all of your heart this week, then marvel at the gospel. Rejoice in the gospel, Revel in the gospel. And then number two, not only should we want fuel for the journey this week, but, but actually this is what we're going to do for all of eternity. We are going to marvel. We are going to rejoice, and we are going to revel in what God has done. Listen to, to Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4 as I close. Okay? This is what it says. This is a picture of what's going to happen in the very end, which tells me I need to get on board with this like right now. Okay? It says this, and they sing the song of Moses. We saw that, right? Psalm, Psalm 118, verse 14, this, this echoing, Exodus 15, we, they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, speaking of Jesus, saying, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy all nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. Here's what's gonna happen for all eternity. We're gonna be with God forever and we are gonna get to sing the song of Moses. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. We are gonna get to sing the song of the lamb and recount the deeds of the Lord. So I think one of our greatest privileges for all of eternity is going to be able to say, look, this is what God did. This is what he did. This is what he did. This is how he worked in my life. This is how he worked through my life, our life. This is how he changed the people around me because of Christ and his great work in salvation. So it is our privilege to join in the song of Moses, in the song of the Lamb, now and forever because of the grace of